0: The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. It's like your favorite call-in radio show, without being able to call in, and without being on the radio. Building HVAC Science with Bill Spohn.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. We're out here to try to create a better, more knowledgeable HVAC building performance world. By helping the two professions of HVAC and building scientists work better together and understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. I'm really happy today to have on the show Corbett and Grace Lunsford. And you'll note that the episode title doesn't have their last names in it because I know them so well and I think you need to get to know them better. They've embarked on a road to change the culture of how home performance is perceived by homeowners and galvanize them into action. And a major section of this road opens up in January 2019, where their TV show, HomeDiagnosis.tv, launches on PBS. And you can help spread the word on this topic by asking your local PBS programmer to carry it. You can learn more about it. We'll be talking about some links in this episode. But if you go to HomeDiagnosis.tv, you can learn a lot more about it. I'd like you to listen in as we gain insight into how their technical minds work in a musical fashion and how melody, harmony, and timing are analogous to the relationships between materials and systems in the home and the sequencing and consequences of the decisions made in choosing, using, and installing these systems. This is a really rich episode. I'm really so happy we got to do it. So please listen closely. I'm definitely going to have him back on the podcast again. So tune in as we listen to Grayson Corbett talk about their lives in the world of home performance. Grayson Corbett, how are you doing?
2: We're good. We're so awesome. Thanks for
1: having us on, Bill. Always nice to talk with you. Same here. Give us a quick catch up on where you are. What's happening right now? Like, I mean, right this week in your lives. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, right now
0: we're talking to you from our 200 square foot tiny lab. It's the highest performance tiny house on wheels in the world, which we are not tiny house people. We wanted to demonstrate building science to
2: normal people. So we went on a national tour and now we ended the tour in Atlanta. We bought some land that we are sitting in right now about a year ago. And Uh, got pregnant (laughs) at the same time with our second daughter. So we took a little bit of a personal break before beginning construction on our next home, which the foundation is getting ready to be poured. Tomorrow we've got two trees coming down.
0: And we're looking out the window right now at a big, muddy, flat space where all of that stuff is going to happen.
2: And a giant gas pipe that but, still needs to be cut. <laughs> yeah, and we're
0: and, and like you and us are kind of keeping track with each other on um, our new home builds. So we're both building high-performance homes that are not prescriptively home-performance. They're like perfect for each of our families right so you and Marilyn need a certain thing we need a certain thing we have young kids now so we're trying to like show off what you can do with a 3000 square foot house that's different and it's massively different than a 200 square foot home
2: well and also it's not on wheels <laughs> so
0: all <Marilyn's laughs> yeah. this foundation stuff is really very infuriating
1: the foundations
0: keep you grounded huh
2: uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know
1: that wasn't a real big <laughs> <laughs> ha ha. So I guess I know. <laughs>
0: I'd rather not have a foundation, actually. Can we just skip to the next step?
1: Sure. <laughs> For the people that don't know who listen to this podcast, give us some background, each of you, sort of a real quick snapshot of kind of your lives that led up to this point. And let's start with Grace.
2: The snapshot, starting really from the beginning with Corbett, is we met when we were babes. <laughs> I was a senior in college, actually, and he was a piano player for Chicago's Second City. And it was literally the week that I decided I didn't want to go to Broadway. I have a degree in musical theater, and yet I didn't want to go to Broadway in my senior year. And I thought Chicago might be a great way. And that night, lo and behold, a troupe from Chicago was performing at my college, and we met and we wrote letters for about four months, totally fell in love. And come September, following my graduation, I broke a theater contract and moved up to Chicago to be with him. And shortly after that, we got married.
0: At which point I was a professional <laughs> musician. We were both artists and super poor, like you can't make much money as an artist. So we decided to start a company when I was 28. Mm-hmm. Became a hearse Raider, studied up for the BPI exams on my own because they were not any BPI trainers in Illinois at that time.
2: And luckily, I was actually doing really well as an actress, as a union actress. And so from some of that funding, I was able to send Corbett around the country to go and study with the home performance professionals in the nation. And as he kept coming back, he was like, oh... I just wish more people knew this and knew that. And I had started picking up a camera for my own career. And so I said, well, let's just put you in front of the camera and you can start sharing this information with other people. And also we're starting a company and nobody knows what we do.
0: Right. So the YouTube channel, which is called Home Performance, started really small. The whole point of it was to be our advertising and marketing and education arm Mm -hmm. And so it's been growing and growing and we're nowhere close to like the YouTubers that you've heard of as normal (laughs) people, but like it does well. And we have a $0 marketing budget. We don't spend any money on advertising at this point, which is really nice to be able to like talk for an hour on a video and have people actually watch that and digest it, I think is really useful because this whole home performance thing, especially when we go into the culture change that Grace and I are trying to go for. It takes time to really digest it and to explain it well because it's not a simple matter, right? It's not the, the silver bullet.
2: Right. There's no good sound bite yet that has stuck, but we're hoping to change that.
1: It seems all very personal. And I guess we sort of started the conversation there that we're both building new high-performance homes, but they're going to be different. And it's very personal. It's, it's very custom tailored. And that's hard to cookie cutter that approach. Yes, I think it's got to be a lot of awareness involved So I know some of the YouTube channel, again, to make sure people know about it and give us some of the high viewed topics that are on that channel.
0: Sure. So the YouTube channel is called home performance. If you search home performance on YouTube, that's what the channel that would come up. It's half for consumers and half for professionals. professionals. So there's a lot of technical stuff. Like if you have a copy of our book, home performance diagnostics, which is a compendium of all of the tests that you would want to do in a home, a lot of them are shown in detail and demonstrated for free on the YouTube channel, because our point is that high-performance building cannot exist unless you test. The testing is what differentiates high-performance homes or performance-tuned homes from non-performance-tuned homes, people who have no idea what their performance is. And the testing is the entire thing. So having somebody like a Bill Spohn, who has his name on patents of test instruments, like we need more people who take building test tools that are easy to use and effective really seriously. And we need people to like meet those people and say, Oh, I have always wanted to find out what my this or that is and have people like you say, well, you know, there's a tool for that. Like this is what it is. And it's not that expensive nowadays because everything is getting cheaper and cheaper.
2: Yeah. That's been a dramatic thing watching just the materials get cheaper. And, back to some of the highly viewed videos. Of course, the cheapest stuff is our highly viewed videos. Oh man, it, it, actually for a number <laughs> of years, right now
0: our best video that's doing well is the uh, infrared camera comparison. Yes. Which I think, you guys carry most of the things that were in that video, right? So, yep. but, but that's uh, after just that, <laughs> the static pressure testing video is doing gangbusters. That's great. And those are eclipsing, thank God, my window plastic and door weather stripping with peel and stick weather stripping. Those two videos are have, like, have been yeah, our most popular videos. And they're one
2: of the first videos they're we ever so made. Dumb. We look like babies in it.
0: <laughs> and that's the lamest stuff that you could possibly do or talk about in all performance. So it just, it really upset me that that's how we were-
2: all Although I do have to say, this is a little bit of a YouTube nerd out moment, but one of the greatest compliments is when somebody else does a faux of your video as like a funny compliment. (laughs) And there are these two girls down in, I think like New Orleans, who totally redid our weather stripping video in comedy style. And I loved it. I loved it.
1: That's funny. You know, you made it then, right? (laughs) Right, right. Proof is possible. Let's talk a little bit about that because you just talked about high performance can't exist unless you test, unless you prove it. Give me some of the underlying concepts or proof is possible and talk about that. I mean, that that rolls off my tongue, but you guys spent a lot of time developing that. And where did that go? Where did that lead?
0: Sure. So, the idea of proof, of making all of home performance about a tent pole of control, And, and a tent pole, in case you're not familiar with that word, means just like a concept that a bunch of different types of people, a bunch of different types of business interactions and opportunities so, can kind of center around. Yeah.
2: The really easy example in Hollywood would be like Marvel is a tent pole for a ton of movies.
0: Yeah. So the idea over the past four decades that energy efficiency is a tent pole is dead wrong. If it was, we would be light years ahead of where we are now. It does not work in our opinion. And so trying to steer the conversation instead towards control, because Grace and I have clients who have indoor pools, they have indoor basketball courts. Mm-hmm. They have two giant wine, wine cellars.
2: cellars.
0: <laughs> That's okay. This is America. You are allowed to do whatever you want. If you want to have a 10,000, 20,000 square foot house, frankly, those are our best clients. So those are people who can really write a check that helps sustain my business, helps me make more YouTube videos, etc. So the idea that we should have everybody have a 1500 square foot house that is passive house certified, that doesn't stretch outside of these boundaries of very rigid energy use is not where we need to be going in our opinion. So the idea was originally to just get people to think about what's going on in your house. Like my wine cellar doesn't work the way that I want it to. Great. That's a home performance yeah. problem. And, Let's tune it.
2: And the other side of that literal coin that keeps us in business is now we can actually create real energy efficiency because these people were going to be wasting, 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 unless you come in and you control the systems.
0: So the idea was to take the idea of where I come from with music. You think of two things. Most of the time, most of music that you're looking at on a sheet of paper is a two-dimensional grid. There is a vertical grid and a horizontal grid. The horizontal grid is melody. That's consequence, sequence of things that happen, right? So one note leads to another. And then there's also harmony, which is the relationship of notes out of time. And those two things are relationships and consequence, what building science is basically. So we still just do music in people's homes. And it's just kind of trying to figure out how to tune that so that it's not out of tune for whatever it is that individual people want. And that's your whole point of saying it's personal, saying we should make everything Energy Star. We should make everything lead certified. We should make everything passive house is not the way to go because everybody's different. Everybody has different goals. Bill Spohn doesn't have a two-year-old in his house. Corbin Grace do. This other guy lives single by himself with five big dogs. This woman has environmental sensitivities and she wants to have her three cats, but not be able to smell their litter box. All that stuff is totally possible if you just try and tune it. So that's where the proof is possible. That kind of catchphrase that we came up with took us. And then we turned that into a national tour. When we built the tiny lab, we took it on a U.S. tour of 34 cities. We spent 20 cities with a week in each of them. And we kind of gave. You met us in Cincinnati, which was awesome to see yeah. you and have dinner with you. Yes. We were
2: just talking about that last night. We were like, oh, that was a good convo. good pizza, um, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it took
0: a long time. I mean, I think that the theme of anything that anybody who's listening to Bill Spoon's voice on a regular basis should be taking away well, is you need to be talking about this stuff. Because yeah. how long have you been talking about this, Bill?
1: In earnest, I would say the last 10 years. right? But sort of in private and quiet in the engineering circles and things like that, I've been mumbling about it. We'll call it mumbling for 10 years before that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and did you always sit down at a dinner table and people have people say, wow, that's so fascinating. You're right. Why haven't I heard about this before?
1: No. And that's what is motivating me to talk more and more about it is when I've let out little snippets of information about what we're doing and the plans we have for our high performance home. I had one of my sister in law texted me back during the middle of a work week and said, I'm trying to explain passive house to someone. Can you give me some more details? I'm like, that's it, That's right there. It's got to be grassroots. It's got to be personal. It's got to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: I'm going to wax a little bit more on this topic. So I went to the Habitat X conference this summer, and I picked up on a thought that Chandler von Schroder had, which was, I'm going to try to sneeze twice a week. I want to sneeze and spread the virus a home performance on one consumer and one professional each week. If I start doing that and it starts to spread, then we can start this viral thing and get it to a tipping point. It doesn't need to come down on us. I think it needs to come up from us.
2: Mm. Yes. That's
0: not as disgusting as comparing it to like a venereal disease, (laughs) but it's still pretty gross.
1: Well, you got lots of children sneezing around your house and things like that. Are you
2: kidding me? (laughs) Yes. Now that we've got our little girls in a mother's morning out program, it's like, oh, this Um, is why people get sick. Yes, But yeah, we totally agree. I mean, that's why the Proof is Possible tour was a grassroots effort. That's why we made a crowdfund to get behind it. That's why we didn't just take corporate sponsorship and go, I mean, I won't name them, but there are some corporations out there who have also built tiny houses and tried to go do national tours.
0: And they might even call it something that's a lot similar to the Proof is Possible tour. (laughs) And it just doesn't work quite as well because it's not, a little tiny family who actually lives in the house with two cats right. going and talking in person and showing like, and exposing themselves. And being
2: to, hosted by home companies. Yeah. I think that that was a big thing too. Having these home really companies, helped, yeah. it gave more investment in the community grassroots approach.
1: Let me ask you this. You guys are totally into it. <laughs> do you just react and do it or do you plot and plan? How do these things come about? I'm very curious how do these things progress. Do you, have you ever, ever even thought about it that way?
2: Yeah, Yeah. so Corbett, prior to this, it, not only was he a musician, but I mean, literally the night that I saw him in Second City, there were some scripted pieces, but he improvised throughout the piece and he would follow the actors and help them do whatever more funny or more sad, et cetera. And so he's got this really strong improvisation background. And then I, as a creative as well, and I, I also was a choreographer for many years. So I think... I kind of had more of a producerial, directorial mindset. So when we get these like kernels of ideas, we can shift pretty quickly but, and I think, I think make al- things happen. But
0: I think also it's really part of talking about it so much mm-hmm. is getting your niche, what it is yeah. that you do. So when I go out and do speaking gigs, And like, for example, I'll be at the Builders Show in Las Vegas presenting for Fantech. And what I am there to do is not talk about building science or talk about home performance. What I talk about is testing. Like that's my specific thing that everything can come down. to. So when we're sitting here and like having breakfast and my daughter says, this yogurt is bad, I could turn that into a video if I could figure out how to test how the yogurt is doing like test it when it's good, test it when it's bad and then test along the continuum. Right. So the idea is to like figure out what your message is and then lots and lots of ideas come up. So the good news is nobody's talking about this in general in the mainstream media, which is why the home diagnosis television show is going to be such a groundbreaker because it's just never been on television before. So we can pretty much do whatever we want. There's lots and lots of opportunities.
2: That being said, because it's never been done before, We certainly have hit roadblocks trying to get this TV show made.
0: And you have to craft the story. That's the whole thing is that we just haven't been very good at telling a story of what home performance is. We can tell a lot of facts, but there has to be a through line. There has to be characters. There has to be like a, this leads to that, leads to that, and then the climax. Beginning,
1: middle, and end.
0: Exactly. So that's where the crafting of the story for a normal person becomes the major task.
1: We're talking about the TV show like we know about it, which you guys intimately do. And I know to to a large extent, but tell our listeners about this show.
2: Sure. So coming out in January, and do please you guys <laughs> find Google what is my local public television station and go ahead and email their programmer services and say, "Hey, when will Home Diagnosis be aired in my market? I want to see Home Diagnosis TV." And we are going out with Nita and they are our distributor, it's, really it's going to be whole on a public
0: television thing. It's very, very <laughs> difficult and bureaucratic. It's very complicated. So all you need to know is it's going to be on public television stations starting yeah. in January around the country. It will air at different times. Saturday afternoon is a very common time for a do-it-yourself or a home-based show. Yeah. So it's designed to be this old house meets CSI.
2: So we'll probably be partnered around that kind of viewing hour.
0: Yeah. So it's the first season is six episodes. They're half an hour a piece next season will be 13 episodes. It'll be over twice as many, and that's because we're able to raise money before we start shooting. What we did was got Ooh. the Proof as Possible tour on the map. And then we said, hey, who wants to shoot a TV show? All we need is this tiny bit of money to be able to like hire a babysitter and hire one camera person or two camera people. And, and then, then we, we just shot the thing guerrilla style yeah. with our own equipment that we bought for this specific purpose. So the idea was to just not ask permission. Everybody who's been waiting for some network to say, hey, we should make a show about home performance.
2: They're not going to do it. They're never going to. Trust do. me, because we, we've been there and we've done it and we've asked all the stations and they get... So stuck, I mean the science channel's like, is it sciency enough? HGTV is like, it's too sciencey. Discovery Green was like, Oh, we're kinda getting away from green. So yeah, yeah, we just
0: decided to go ahead and make it.
2: Get it out there on PBS and we're really proud of it. And I'm really excited to see how season two is gonna come together. And
0: I'd like to give a plug because Bill Spohn and True Tech Tools was the first sponsor. Yeah, so you we, guys we, we were, we were the first. About that oh, thank you. You were actually the first person who also took my podcast, my building performance podcast seriously. I'd had other guests, but I'd never had anybody be like, "Ooh, I love your podcast. Can we do <laughs> an interview sometime? I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> no, I had to beg for this. So, yeah, you've been important to
1: us. The feeling's mutual. You, you guys are fantastic. The show actually has like I learned a term from you. A sizzler, is that right?
2: Ah, a sizzle reel. Sizzle yeah. reel,
1: okay. And where is that?
2: You can go to homediagnosis.tv. And that's where you're going to be able to see the sizzle reel. You're going to start to see little uh, snippets of all six episodes. We're going to have these kind of 30 second little things, little behind the scene videos are there as well. And also
0: ultimately that the episodes are going to live on that website too. You'll be able to see them for free on the internet because the whole point is not to make money with this. The whole point is to change the culture of the building industry.
2: And that was another reason why we also went with PBS because we can still own all of our materials and we can get it out there without bureaucracy or editing. Asking permission. Yeah, asking permission.
1: The last podcast I did was a gentleman from Montana, James Childrey, and the title of his episode was Stop Waiting on the World to Change. I think you guys embrace that. Mm.
2: Oh, thanks. Yeah, we try to be the change.
1: Right, be the change. Let's get into some more detail about your perspectives on the culture and the need for cultural change and how that's going to impact things. How are you going to go about that?
0: Well, I think that the main culture of performance and we can call it now building science because that's what most people are thinking or even worse energy efficiency which is what the (laughs) government wants to do and like to be perfectly frank so let me just back up for a second in high school i think that one of the classes that they should teach is how money flows right it's just like we study heat flow we study moisture flow and building science we don't study money
2: i mean they call economics that class And supply and demand that class. But I don't think that's real. But we don't don't go into the real things. We're talking about the philosophies of them. So when you
0: turn on the radio and you hear them talk about a Coke machine that produces a hundred flavors on NPR... And then they turn right around and say, this is an independent radio, you know, like that kind of drives me nuts because there is money going on behind the scenes that we're not talking about. And so there's something, there's leverage points all over the place. So the idea in the energy efficiency world, that energy efficiency is the topic because it's the right topic is wrong. The reason it's the topic is because this federal government wants energy efficiency because it has mandates from the EPA, from the DOE. It's got national defense to think about all this stuff about energy efficiency that has nothing to do with the granular goals of individual homeowners. I, for one, never think about the 30,000 foot view of our industry. I am stuck deep in the granular, this client, that client, this house, that air conditioning
2: system. That moment, that granular moment, we actually... A couple of years ago, the head of the EPA came to Chicago and it was really funny because it was all about energy efficiency. And she got up and she said, well, I bought one of these 95% efficient furnaces and I had no idea what you guys do. We hooked it up to my house and we tested it and it was 75% efficient, which was what I had just removed, what I had just taken out. But I had been given this huge subsidy from the government to make this thing happen, but I had no improvement.
0: So it feels good.
2: But wait, no, my point is she wouldn't have known that had she not had it tested. So we kind of come back to this point, this aha moment of testing proof.
0: Okay. But bigger culture wise, the problem is that we're trying to get the professionals to influence the homeowners. And what we need to do is the opposite. We need to have the leverage be from people who have money to spend and say, I want an HVAC system, but I want it to do these things. It's going to be in the contract that I will not pay you the final payment until you prove to me that it does these things that are on this contract. Mm -hmm. Just like I want a house that has running water, that Mm -hmm. has electricity. And the way that I test that as a homeowner is I walk over to the wall and I turn the light switch and if it doesn't do anything, I'm not gonna pay you. So if we can make it as simple as that, With all of the testing gadgets and stuff that are coming out, especially like on the air quality side, there's all kinds of ways that we can demonstrate temperature, uniformity, consistency, humidity, particulates, chemicals in the home, et cetera, et cetera. And there's all sorts of ways that we can prove performance. So the idea is to get normal people to ask for this instead of trying to go top down and get the architects to convince the builders to convince their clients to go with right. a high performance building standard. That makes no sense because we just not, need to have people start
2: asking of. for it.
1: So there's the point, where can consumers learn what to ask for? I just wrote that down like 30 seconds before you said that, Grace.
0: Yes. <laughs> so and that's why the television show. So yeah. th- the reason that we built the tiny house is that people have seen them on TV. And that is literally what people would say around oh. the country. They would come and say, oh my gosh, Tiny House, I've seen that on I TV. Mean,
2: driving down the road, people would mouth to me, hey, can you pull over? I love you. I see you on TV, like right. on the interstate. So TV, regardless of the fact that a lot of people are streaming now and they're like, oh, I don't do TV. TV is still the it's number correct. one motivator more than the internet. Absolutely
0: because it gives you a credibility. Like that that's how you show that you're legit is like, if this topic has been on television, it's real. If it hasn't been on television, it's not real, right? So that's even though reality TV, the reality in that phrase is an adjective. It's not actual reality. The idea is that we just need to have it in co- the conversation. Just like you said, it needs to be part of the sneezing twice a week. And the idea here is that we can have every single home performance professional do what Chandler wants and influence two people a week. Or we could have some people who are not afraid to fail at making a television show, go ahead and do that. And we will be hopefully infiltrating as many homes as possible across the country and have those people then start conversations with those contractors, asking some interesting questions to get the conversation started so that it just reverses the direction of the flow of money that we think will be a very healthy thing. Because right now, the, what happens is we get got the weatherization assistance programs. They train people up. Mm-hmm. They do a great job. They put them into these programs where they pay very little profit margin, but huge volumes. And these companies do not translate what they have learned from the WAP programs into private market practice. And in fact, they might mm-hmm. actually get so good at the weatherization work, that they now only do weatherization work and they never work in the private market. Yeah. And that's the worst situation possible because we need people in the I've seen lots market and lots of be,
2: contractors do that. Yeah. I mean, literally you were at a think tank where you were the only person who raised their hand who still works in the private market. Oh,
0: only in the
1: private yeah, market. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And actually why don't we bring that around to the topic of home chem. Explain to us what homecom is and your involvement in home chem.
2: Actually, do you mind if I just put in one more other thing? Sure. Actually I just want to go back real quick on that T V thing because there's one other demographic note that we're not really talking about, which is the woman. And our YouTube channel, the demographics, has definitely been male-driven. About uh, 85%. The home performance industry, definitely male-driven. You go to any of those conferences, and it's probably 85% male. But who is typically the number one instigator in home improvements?
0: In the private market.
2: In the private market.
0: hmm yeah.
2: The woman. Yes. And it starts with something as simple as like, oh, you know what? I really, I hate these kitchen cabinets that we bought in this normal house. And I want to redo the kitchen. I want to make it mine, right? Well, and as we do it, let's go ahead and make sure that this room is warmer. And that's when like these opportunities for improvement can happen. And so that is also where we come back to the TV. And that helps us open the door to the female market. So home cam,
0: this is something that is really important. And it's really new. The reason it's so important is that building science basically has been physics for a long time. It's been heat flow, thermodynamics, moisture flow, air flows and pressures, and contaminant dispersal. Basically, we're talking about like carbon monoxide, stuff like that, simple chemicals.
1: Mm -hmm. Generally about materials, materials and substances.
0: Right. Material science. Exactly. Yes. And so the chemistry side of it has been almost completely unknown. And it turns out that it's really important, not only because we're talking about air quality control as a thing. Like, not everybody should have the same air quality. Somebody who's a bachelor who's 20 years old who is doing a lot of other things to try and kill their bodies doesn't need the same (laughs) air quality as somebody who has an environmental sensitivity, right? Also, let me just say real quick that the reason that we're trying to make it about control, too, is because comfort, which is this real big buzzword, especially for a lot of HVAC contractors who are Mm -hmm. your listeners, Yep that all the manufacturers are like, Ooh, comfort. You're a comfort professional. You're a comfort consultant, blah, blah, blah. If you sit down with a married couple who spend almost all their time together and you ask them what the ideal temperature is, they will always give you a different number. So comfort is not what it's about because you're not going to make both of them more comfortable. And for example, you
2: ready? One, two, three, 74 degrees.
0: Right. So, (laughs) So the idea that we're all about comfort is like that's not what it is. It's control so that it can be whatever temperature she wants it to be. And then so anyway, back to HomeCam. HomeCam is an acronym, it stands for House Observations of Microbial and Environmental Chemistry. What they did was the Sloan Foundation, which funds a lot of public research and and, and education in science specifically. They are spending fifty million dollars and 10 years really digging into what is happening with the molecules and the particles inside buildings and especially inside homes, because it turns out that the average life expectancy, this is from Dr. Richard Corsi, by the way, he's a total uh, hero as far as we're concerned. 79 years, average life expectancy. 70 years of those 79, how much time you spend indoors, inside buildings and inside vehicles. 50 of those 79 years you spend in your home whatever that is, an apartment building, a house, et cetera. And so if we can control the pollution inside homes, that will actually do more for human health than all the outdoor pollution that we've been worrying about for the last several decades. And the EPA has all kinds of policies around this. If we were to make one policy on pollution that would change people's lives for the better 100%, immediately, it would be every single home must have a kitchen range hood that vents outside and is in use. That would be the thing. If you're like selling a home, it must have a kitchen hood that vents to outside.
2: Cooking is actually one of the greatest polluters in the home.
1: Yeah. Like on the the level of radon removal, the EPA levels on radon exposure for picocuries per liter, that kind of thing. Yes. I'm going to give you a real quick anecdote about holiday cooking. I made some homemade pizza dough and homemade sauce for a pre-Thanksgiving event with my family. And I noticed for a few days afterwards, I had this upper respiratory thing that was going on. And I'm thinking is I didn't really get exposed to anything weird. I didn't really get sick, but I felt weird in my upper respiratory nasal, even though I ran a kitchen range hood, but the oven was on a lot. I know there were particulates flying all around. During that process. So it sort of sensitized my brain to what's happening with my body and the activities that I'm conducting. Rant aside. And this again is why proof
0: is so important because, like, what you describe is what we have been experiencing. Like I said, we live in 200 square feet. So when one of us gets sick, we got two little girls. (laughs) We've all had this cough for like the last several months. And even though I know for a fact that my house is probably the highest performance house in all of Georgia, it's got a ventilation system that runs 24 hours a day that's filtered. We've got positive pressurization in one part of the house, negative pressurization in another part of the house, et cetera, et cetera. We know what the airtightness is. I still suspect my house when we get these coughs. I'm like, ooh, is it my house? <laughs> so your psychology, once you know that there are particles and there are chemicals being formed in your house and that those might be influencing your health, it's really hard. To, not
2: to be suspicious. Yeah, to not
0: be suspicious of every single thing that happens. That's why, again, the testing becomes so important because I if I didn't have the test data, then I would think, well, it might be this or it might be that.
2: And being a mother of two little children now and knowing how much time the babes spend inside in their formative years, I can't help but wonder about how Indoor air quality has affected our children over the last 20 years when we have seen significant increases in certain stuff like HD, in, you know, ADHD
0: it, and yeah,
2: endocrine and disruptor spectrum, things, autism spectrum, autoimmune disease is just like been on the rise. And coming into this home, Kim, frankly, we definitely had wool over our eyes. And one of the first things when we were talking with the Sloan Foundation, they said, oh, you're going out to San Francisco for a wedding. One of the leading like chemists in this field is there. And she is at Berkeley. You guys should sit down with her. And we've got this YouTube channel. So we were like, great. That's actually one of the really great things about YouTube channels is you can be like, hey, can we sit down and talk with you, Mr. Amazing Mrs. Woman of the Year?
0: So her name is Arlene Bloom. She's a biophysical chemist. She kind of laid out for us the six classes approach to chemical control inside of homes. And the idea is that chemicals are everywhere. Everything is made of chemicals. You and I, this microphone we're talking into, et cetera. Chemicals are not bad, but some chemicals are not as good for you as other chemicals are, right? Right. And some of them actually will try to kill you, like arsenic and lead and things like that. And even
2: though our government has tried to put in these protections and gotten lead out of the water, gotten lead out of paint, there have sometimes been regrettable substitutes incorporated instead of the definitely known mutagen they take a slightly unknown mutant (laughs) and put it in. And it's just, there's no testing back to testing, right? So the idea
0: is that our life has just become too complex. You have too many products in your home for any research institution to simulate what is going on inside of your home with all of these different molecules meeting each other, making babies that are new chemicals that weren't there to begin with, right? So we need to kind of develop more principles, more underlying fundamental chemistry understandings understandings of building science in order to move forward because otherwise it's just too complicated. It's like trying to talk about air leakage when the size and shape of holes is infinitely variable. Mm-hmm. luckily we build houses out of the same stuff all the time. So we know kind of where the holes are going to be kind of what they're going to look like, kind of how big they're going to be. But and in that the same breath,
2: we're changing the materials. The materials that a home is being built with today are not the same materials that 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And yet we've got these like father, son generation of builders. who feel like, oh yeah, I can do it just the way my dad did it. He did it for 30 years this way. Why would I not do it this way? Well, it's not the same materials. So
0: if you want one image that gives you what home chem is, there is this chemical process called redox, reduction oxidation. It is what, when you are sitting at a fire and you're looking at the flame, that's what is happening to make that flame is redox, right? So the fastest chemical process in the world is rocket fuel being burned. That's super fast redox. The slowest chemical process that you will encounter probably is indoor chemistry. So literally the air that's surrounding Bill Spohn and Corbett and Grace right now is on fire. Literally. It is the same exact chemical process. It's just way too slow and at way too low a temperature for us to actually sense the flames, but it is literally the same chemical process. So that creeps me out to know that that's Not only is there air moving around and moisture moving around, but also these chemicals are literally changing and transforming all around me all the time, especially inside that becomes a big deal because we're hanging on to
2: them. Right.
1: And it affects animals too. I can hear someone in the background uh, talking about this (laughs) and that's cool. Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, our two
0: cats. And they spend a lot of time closer to the ground, which is where a lot of this stuff happens. The phthalates
2: are happening. And also the carpeting. And we actually don't have much carpeting, but we do have two like lambskin rugs that I take out and beat on a weekly, I should be doing it on a weekly basis. Because those things really do collect a lot of this chemistry. And so, home cam basically was an experiment that happened for a full month in a house, and they repeated occupancy, cleaning, cooking experiments, and are measuring all the particles and the chemistry that happened. And it's going to be a really interesting process to watch this evolve over the next ten years. Yeah,
0: all the the tools that I can get at TrueTech Tools are great. But these guys were using things like gas chromatographs, mass spectrometers, right? Lasers. I mean, these are like hundreds of thousands of dollars a piece for these tools. You do not take them into people's houses. Yeah, lab grade. Yeah, so yeah. they were able to see on a millisecond basis what chemicals were being formed and then disappearing and turning into other chemicals, etc.
2: And while home chem also sounds like it's just chemistry, it was also um, microbial. The chemical household observations.
0: Yeah, of microbial and environmental chemical. Yeah. So yeah, the chemicals, the particles, the microbes were all studied as part of this. And you can see that playlist on the YouTube channel, on the Home Forms YouTube channel as a home chem playlist.
2: We did a vlog every single day for the last week of the experiments so that we could bring people in to understand what was happening.
1: There are some 30 videos in the whole series. About
0: 35, I think.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I know the answer to this, but when will the results be known?
2: Well, actually, the first papers are being put together right now. And I think they're going to be coming out in February. We just got an email about this yesterday.
0: Yeah. And if you don't enjoy reading white papers, just, again, <laughs> stay tuned to stay the tuned. Home Performance YouTube <laughs> channel because we're the communicators on the non-white paper
1: basis Yeah, for all of Yeah, you'll be the voice of it. Yeah. Cool. One thing that always comes to my mind is there's a certain resiliency to the human body. And this is sort of like the counterpoint to, like, we collectively just discovered all these things that are happening in the redox world of home chemistry. But there's a resiliency of the human body that it's not like something that's just starting, it's always been there. And I guess things are getting worse because we're building tighter homes and buildings. So we're going to pack in these chemicals. They're, they're not going to be, unless we understand them. And, and we're
0: expanding them. the chemical. Yeah we're, yeah. we're expanding the variety too. The, right? the palette so is increasing,
2: so. but the potential for that not to happen, I think is actually greater because we're just increasing our knowledge and understanding on this. Sure. So the ventilation principles and frankly, controlling your environment is going to be what's going to make it so interesting. But,
1: So it's fortuitous that we're we're ramping up our knowledge of the dangers along with our knowledge of the ability to control and then to discuss the topic of control.
0: Exactly. To your point of the human body is adaptable and it will Mm -hmm. like, for example...
2: We live in 200 square feet. We are adaptable. (laughs) We've been living in this since April 1st. But also like your
0: blood thins. You move to Florida, your blood will thin a little bit. You'll become more comfortable at the higher temperatures. I understand that. And I think that what you should think of as a listener to this message is... Not you. You're like, let's imagine that the person who's listening to this podcast is like me, about 40 years old, male, healthy, walks around, no major illnesses. I'm already dying. Like, (laughs) don't think about me. What we need to think about is kids. Think about a two year old. Right. And think about how every single part of their body is growing and developing right now. And then think about that redox process. And like that, even though you as a 40-year-old white male in the United States of America can adapt to this, that's not really what it's about. It's like, yeah, you're going to die someday and you might die at 60, you might die at 62, you might die at 58. Eh, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I'll smoke another cigarette a day. But if we think about the kids, that's where you can really affect the course of their entire life from this developmental stage. So if we don't Mm -hmm. get a a handle on this, that's what is at stake.
2: And I'm just going to bring in this other concept too that Home really turned me on to. I had not heard about the global burden of disease. Did you know about this, Bill?
1: No, please.
2: What the global burden of disease is? (laughs) It's actually this huge study that is trying to figure out why exactly is heart disease such a major killer? Why exactly is cancer happening in these certain areas?
0: What they've been able to do is statistically over hundreds and hundreds of cities take the pollution numbers that they know for a fact are happening and then take visits to hospitals for certain reasons, take deaths for certain reasons, and then compare things. So they're able to actually statistically prove that air pollution, for example, in the United States of America, kills more people per year than traffic accidents do because they can do a statistical analysis of the number of deaths, the number of pollutants, blah, 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 all this stuff. So they basically have, we're swimming in data at this point. We live in the information age. So we can take that data and start using it to learn more about what's going on on macro scale. So that's what this GBD, the global burden of disease is doing. They're able to kind of pinpoint in India, in China, in entire continents, what is happening, what are the major killers. And it turns out that pollution is one of the top five killers in every single place in the planet.
2: So it seems like a really important thing, right? Sure.
0: (laughs) But also it's not about death. It's about sickness and long-term low-level stuff.
2: Low-level stuff, yeah. And so to foil that against my life and the fact that I've just created two little babies, at 24 hours old, the procedure in the United States of America now is to vaccinate, to inoculate little 24-hour-old babies against hepatitis B, which is a sexually transmitted disease and they do it at 24 hours. We're technically taking a kind of rare, random, sexually transmitted disease more seriously than the global burden of disease. that
1: That's a huge thing
0: too. That's a CDC decision, right? Which is the same as like the EPA, the
1: DOE. Some of these things are about at the point of control. Yeah. They have the most control over you at that very point for the child.
2: But that's culture yeah. too. Yeah that is creating our culture. It's like, oh, we've got to take this hepatitis B thing super, super seriously. Well, can we start taking these other things that actually are more destructive more seriously too?
1: So you're in the process of building a new home, the two of you, a new house, a new residence. It sounds like home chem could have had an influence on what you're doing in the design. You want to talk so much Sure. So
2: it frankly made us really scared. I mean, we watched sixclasses.org is where you can find out information about the six classes. And we literally like went through all those videos just to learn more about Arlene Bloom's work and our jaws hit the floor. (laughs) It's very easy to put blinders on and be like, Oh, I don't want to do this.
0: But so short story, there is a four-part webinar series on the YouTube channel about the design of our new house. Home cam plays a part in every single one of those four. But in the last one, we really go into it in detail about the six classes. And I say that the selection of materials is very important. And right now we're having, there's all kinds of people who want to comment about magnesium oxide panels being, having their own problems too. And it's like, well, I have problems. Grace has problems. So we still decided to marry each other. Like we, <laughs> you can deal with, you want to use your, your brains and make an educated investment. So I think that we're going to not use drywall. It has things like fly ash, like additives, like paper, all kinds of stuff that's just, it has the potential to not be good consequence wise. And are replacing it with magnesium oxide panels, which is mostly one ingredient, very simple, inorganic, nothing that molds or any bios can eat clay-based paint. We have this product partner called BioShield, Mm -hmm. which makes this paint that actually rips ozone apart. Ozone being the biggest driver of indoor chemistry for the most part. It starts a lot of this snowball effect.
2: The chain reactions.
0: Other things like dehumidification. We have a dehumidification system that is dedicated. It is not a We're not depending on our HVAC system to do the drying where we have actual drying machine.
2: And the reason we chose that is because we live in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Yeah. But also keeping it dry as a a major, sorry. so Mm -hmm. So there's three things that are really important. Don't bring bad stuff in your house that goes into the material selection, the paint selection, et cetera, soft surfaces, hard surfaces, things like that. Those are the decisions that you need to be making. Keep it dry. Right. So there's your dedicated dehumidification system. And we have two houses inside the one house you'll have to see the videos to understand what that means. Bill gets it. So we have to have two systems for that. And then also ventilate. And the ventilation is a big deal. We have a video that we made specifically about going into, uh, it's about 20 minutes and it goes into kind of five different types of ventilation that you could use and showing how it works. But that all that stuff is, just needs to be taken super seriously. Because if you think that just because a house is built in the 21st century, that it has these things, you are dead wrong. Like that is not being taken. And even if it is, even if the house has an ERV, did anybody test it? And I guarantee you almost 99% of the time, no, no one has actually tested the thing. I've tested fans that are running backwards. Yeah, that's how serious this can be. Right? I mean, like multiple times, that did not happen one time in my career, it's happened a number of times. (laughs) Anyway, this stuff is just you got to know for a fact. And that's what the testing is about. That's why the tools become such a big part of our conversation.
1: We've covered a really broad topic area. And it seems like you guys are folks are always learning new things. So it, I, <laughs> think I need to have you back to the podcast to talk more.
2: Thank you. That would be fun. And that's also, I think we have to shed this knowledge. We've come into this place so that our YouTube channel is great for that, but really getting together with you and just digesting is always helpful.
1: Right. I I think having the conversation, I think it coalesces new ideas. It's kind of like the redox of the brain. Having a conversation, you get these new chemicals, these new ideas that burst forth. How about from each of you uh, separately, one takeaway for the listeners? What's the takeaway, concept, thought? I'd say
0: start small and just learn, keep learning and the first step to doing that is admitting that you don't know everything, mm-hmm. which is really hard for a lot of professionals because they were trained by their dad who was trained by their dad or whatever. It's hard to admit that you don't know everything and that you might need to know more. So I think that's the first thing is just learn something every day and then talk about it, incorporate it, make a part of your if your life, of the way that you think about homes, your home, your client's homes, et cetera, and then move forward from there.
1: So it's sort of like the guy in the Doseki's commercial, stay curious, my friends.
0: <laughs> be that guy, be the change.
2: Be curious. I think my takeaway would be make it a game. Your home, it should be a game. Like that's where the metrics are. That's what makes it fun to, I mean... I drive a big dually truck, okay? And my little brother left his Hyundai Elantra recently at our house for like two weeks. And so I got to use it to go hop over to my sister's house. And I was like, whoa, I'm getting 32 miles per gallon on the highway. That's awesome. And I don't really care about it, but I apparently I do because I then told my sister, I told my mom, I told my dad, I was like, "I oh, look at me, I'm getting 37 miles per gallon. <laughs> and it's a game, it's a game. It's something that you can just start to know about and play with. And that would be, I think, the takeaway for me is start to bring that into your home. Like, what's the seer? You could get super science or just like, what's the air change in your home?
1: What's
0: the static pressure? Yeah, what's the static pressure? What's the pressure? particulate levels? What's your filtration level?
1: These are concepts about human nature, the two that you brought yeah. up there, interestingly. You guys are very human people, too. So. <laughs> Oh, thanks.
0: That is something that I've been thinking about lately is that we have family members who are looking for their dream job. And I keep insisting that there is no such thing as a dream job. Like Grace and I run the first TV show on this topic. We have our own company. We own our own tiny house on wheels. That's high performance, blah, blah, blah. I would not call this my dream job. Like this is about making the world a better place. And home performance is a great way to do that. So that's where we are right now. But I think that like, if you you
2: told us that 21 when we met that this was what we were going to be doing when we were getting close to 40. I'm not sure we would have thought yeah. that would lined up yeah, with being, our dreams at being the Being a better moment. human
0: is what it's all about. So it ha- whether you're doing air conditioning or heating or building houses or yeah. helping people at hospitals, I think that it's just trying to do better. And this is one very simple way to do it.
2: Yeah. Creative contribution.
1: Yep. I want to wrap up right now, if I can, and definitely get you back because you're going to have more to say. I know it. I feel it in my bones. <laughs> Awesome. you still doing podcasts on your channel. Do you still have some things going on there?
0: No, it's on a sabbatical. It's never been sponsored. It's never been a real big growth thing for us. We have about 2000 listeners around the world, but frankly, the YouTube channel is just so much bigger right now. The video thing is just very, for what we talk about, it's so necessary to see what it is.
1: Right. That's the medium, right? For you. Okay. Yeah. I want to give you a chance to leave a point of contact or a point of where people can visualize and see what you're doing. Again, just restate the YouTube channel, any points of contact, whatever.
0: Great. So, yeah, people can find us at buildingperformanceworkshop.com. That's the center hub that's going to lead you to everything. The, TV the rabbit show, hole. The, yeah, the YouTube <laughs> channel. The YouTube channel, again, is Home Performance. Our and the TV, TV show is
2: Home Diagnosis, and it's coming out in January 2019, in case you happen to be listening to this in another time from today. And that show will go on into additional seasons, but stations will be able to play our first season for three years. Wow. So, Yeah, if you're listening to this in 2021, call up your PBS station and And say, hey, where's home diagnosis?
0: Yep, and we're going to be working hard to get it shown internationally, too.
1: Oh, fantastic. Wow. So on that point, is anyone else doing this, what you're doing?
0: No. Not that that we really know of. You know, you'd see the topic on one episode of This Old House, they'll do like a high performance, blah, 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 or like more insulation. Yeah, or you'll you'll see
2: Holmes get really angry and he's got an infrared camera in his hand, but you have no idea what he's going to do
0: So there isn't another series that is dedicated entirely to exploring the diagnostics and the testing protocols and stuff like that.
2: There's tons of remodeling shows. In season two, we will actually see the test in to the test out,
1: which we're excited about. Interesting. And the remodeling, I think you stated earlier, that's the opportune time, especially with the woman driving the decision in the household. Absolutely. To do this kind of work or to explore what you can do here. So keep that in mind. Yeah,
2: I like to say uh, an old dog can learn new tricks. There is no house out there that can't go through home
1: performance. Fantastic. It's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast today. I want to thank you. Uh, and I'm glad we made this happen. Finally. Thanks, Bill. Awesome. Thanks so much, Bill. All right. Take care, guys. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode with Grace and Corbett Lunsford and their discussion of HomeDiagnosis.tv and all the other activities that they're involved in. If you want to keep up with other things that I find interesting, follow me on Facebook. Follow this channel, if you will, this podcast on channel at Building HVAC Science. Just type it into the Facebook search bar and you'll find us there. Building HVAC Science podcast is a part of other trade-oriented podcasts in the Blue Collar Roots Network. You can find out those other podcasts at bluecollarroots.com. we would also like to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll be kept up to date as soon as a new episode is issued. And you can find us in the search bar of any common podcast app, Building HVAC Science. That's where you'll find us. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the podcast, please email me at bill underscore Spohn at bluecollarroots.com. And that's Spohn is spelled S-P-O-H-N. Some of the topics that are discussed sometimes require technical training for proper interpretation or safe execution. So if you're a pro, you can go right ahead and do that. If you have the training, if not, please consult with and hire a pro. And if you're in the market for some of the tools or test instruments mentioned in the podcast, take a look at what True Tech Tools carries. That's T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S dot com. full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of True Tech Tools. But as a listener of this podcast, you can use the code HVACBS for a nice discount. We do carry some consumer-grade products. So if you're a consumer listening to this show, look under our category for the home for things like radon monitors, carbon monoxide alarms, indoor air quality monitors, different types that can be used directly plug and play for homeowners. I want to thank you for listening to this episode and uh, following us, hopefully, on the Building HVAC Science podcast and our Facebook channel, etc. I want to leave you with one closing quote or thought for the day. This is from Hans Christian Andersen. Where words fail, music speaks. Let that resonate a little bit. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you back again to listen to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Have a great day.